0: Welcome into to Running the Point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports are on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Noel Gardner here with you, changing the narrative in the sports talk industry. We are what sports talk should be, bold, and could it be any better to have Auburn and LSU playing on Halloween? Fires, earthquakes, earthquakes, Hurricanes, We got all the elements. And then not to mention there is a hurricane running through this year as well. So put that on top of it. You got a hurricane running through the Gulf again, an overachieving hurricane season where, you know, someone just didn't let the Atlantic Ocean know that hurricane season was supposed to end about a month ago. And now it's Halloween and we've got the Auburn LSU game. And it couldn't be any more fitting surrounding this year this football game, and where these two programs are at right now. Auburn is not where it wants to be at right now. They escaped last week. Some people want to say, fortunately, because of officiating, I'll say this. There are a lot of Auburn fans out there who would trade this football season and the calls that they've gotten just to have the Final Four back. Get over it. Refs are going to ref, right? And so my whole thing is, if we're going to bellyache about that, we've got to bellyache over every single blown call in every single football game because it, it could affect the outcome. But that, that is a side tangent that I'm not going to get into. Talking about this football game, Auburn-LSU, two teams come into the game unranked. We largely, you haven't seen that in quite some time, these two teams. Typically, one team is enjoying a lot of success. The other team, maybe not so much. And sometimes you get the high-profile matchups where both of them are balling out at the same time. This just so happens to be a time period where both of them are trying to wake up and try and turn their football seasons around, which I actually think, based on where these two teams are at, that this could make for a more interesting matchup because when was the last time that we have seen both of these programs enter this game with this much desperation, this much on the line, not only for their coaching staffs, but for their players and for the rest of the season. And this is an odd year, and at the end of the day, really only the teams that make the college football playoff are going to be like, yeah! You know, all the teams that make the college football playoff are going to be like, yes, this was a great year. Everybody else can be like, whatever. They got rid of bowl requirements for bowl games, so you could technically finish the year you know, 0-6 if you're the Pac-12 and still be playing in the Las Vegas Bowl it doesn't matter, right? And it may have to do with a lot of geographic locations for bowl games this year. Auburn could lose 5 games and still go to a respectable bowl game playing something like the Citrus Bowl. I've seen some projections for some high-profile bowl games that Auburn could be in, not even be that good of a team this year playing a high-profile bowl game against a team like Michigan and get the floor, you know, get the floor mocked with them, right? And so this is an odd year and really only the teams that made the college football playoff People are going to be like whoo we did great, but this is still an important game for the program trajectory. These two teams feel like they're at crucial moments in their in their program history right now. LSU with Ed Orzron a couple weeks ago looked like we could be seeing the unraveling of his tenure at LSU. When you try and project out the future, you're like, well, who's going to play quarterback at this team? They're going to be super young for a couple of years. How's this? How's this team going to to make it? You know, was Ed Orgeron just kind of a one hit wonder in college football? Did the stars just align for LSU? It kind of feels like that that they're just on a that they're going to be on a steady decline over these next couple of years. Auburn, on the other hand, people there's still a mob with pitchforks and torches. People have not quit. Despite Auburn still keeping its head above water, and that was kind of the theme of last week's show, was Auburn is keeping its head above water right now. And they did that. And, I was, and the whole question last week was, will Auburn, will Auburn sink or swim? Does this cat still have some lives left? And they showed that they do. They they showed that they still do, and they began to swim. This is a game where if Auburn wins it, it's a confidence-building win. It gets Auburn over the hump against a team that they've lost three straight seasons in gut-wrenching fashion. Gut-wrenching. Two of those three years, 2017 and 2018, Auburn was the better football team, 100%. Auburn was a better football team in 2017 and 2018 at the times that the two teams played. Last year, they weren't, but they were still in it. And honestly, when you look at all the opportunities that Auburn had to beat LSU last year, you kind of wonder how they didn't. And they put up a better fight than anybody else did against LSU last year. They invented the way to try and stop LSU, and nobody else was able to replicate it. Can Auburn bring it into this year? Will that 3-1-6 defense make another appearance? It made its appearance last week against Ole Miss. I recently found out that Auburn has a defensive line and they're not indeed actually statues or mannequins used as decoys to be able to put 11 defensive backs on the field. Auburn does indeed have players on that defensive line. But this matchup, all important for the way that these two teams go this year. Will LSU continue to be up and down and consistent? Will Auburn continue to be up and down and consistent? I think whoever wins this game establishes consistency. Whoever loses it succumbs to the nature of this 2020 college football season, which is topsy-turvy. It is hurricanes. It is losing one week and then blowing someone out the next week and then going back and losing. It is hope and then crushing reality. That has been college football this year for a number of teams, except for the teams that are going to make the college football playoff. And so from the outside looking in on a national perspective, people maybe think, oh, this game's not a big deal. But to Auburn and LSU fans, this is a big deal. Not only is this the Tiger Bowl, and this has got a lot of history behind it, but these two programs are on edge right now. LSU fans may still be a little sedated after winning a national championship, but Auburn fans are on edge right now, and they want this one. It felt like going into this year that this was the game that Auburn fans wanted more than any other game. And without the struggles this year, I really thought Auburn was going to blow out LSU. Preseason predictions for me, I was expecting Auburn to blow out LSU going into this game because I thought Auburn wouldn't be experiencing this much troubles on both sides of the football. But they're getting better on a week-to-week basis. Go back and watch last week's episode. We talk about that. Tate Bigsby's been a large part of it. Auburn finally got back to running the football last week, just like we told them to. And it worked out. And a large, large part of that was they were able to control the clock against Ole Miss. And then also, once again, Seth Williams comes back to comes back with heroics again, his third game-winning grab um, of his career. Three in three seasons, one each year. So Seth Williams has helped give you a win, one win more than you would have had each of three years in games where Auburn had to come back in all of those games, Ole Miss, Oregon, and Texas A&M, for two years ago. Bo Nix. Looked pretty good last week. I thought that he stepped in, and he delivered his best performance from a completion percent standpoint from his whole career. It was a career-high in completion percentage. He had 76.7% passing, 23 for 30, and over 200 yards passing, a touchdown or two. Bo Nix got himself settled. Those were all the keys that we had last week for Auburn to win and beat Ole Miss. The question is, can they replicate that? And that's where this game comes in into play with consistency. Which one of these teams can replicate what they did last week? And honestly, Auburn would like to see improvement on what they did last week. LSU would probably like the same as well, but which one of these teams can replicate what they did last week? Because that will be the team that finishes ahead of the other in the standings. That will be the team that will have a more satisfying season. That will be the team that goes on a run right here. Auburn's got games against Mississippi State, awful, and Tennessee, who looks bad right now. Auburn can win the next two games after this and be 6-2 and two going into the Alabama game. And look, they could be the worst 6-2 and two team in college football. They really could. I'll draw the comparison over to the Cleveland Browns in the NFL. The Cleveland Browns right now are 5-2. and two. They have a minus 21 point differential because they've gotten blown out by the two great teams on their schedule. Granted, I still think the Browns have beaten some okay teams, have beaten some good teams like the Colts, but they still have not shown up in the high-profile matchups. Auburn blown out by Georgia, and then laid an egg against South Carolina. Auburn really hasn't beaten any good teams on their schedule this year. So you wonder how they stand up to an Alabama when they're six and two. You wonder how they stand up to a And M at the end of the year. They gotta establish consistency first. That is that is. That is why this game is such a huge game. It's not just a huge game for trying, for Auburn beating a rival and, and getting that monkey off its back for Gus Malzahn that he hasn't been able to beat rivals. That's one of his biggest criticisms. This LSU team has been a ghost, a demon, the boogeyman in the closet for this Auburn football program. They just have not been able to get past it. And it might really lift a morale inside that locker room for players who have seen those losses over the last three years, who have felt those defeats and have seen what it has done to seasons. This, this could be a game that could uplift Auburn or it could crush them. We'll be back with more of Running the Point coming up. We've got Nathan King, Auburn beat writer for 24-7 Sports. He'll be coming up for us on the other side of this break to talk Auburn football. This Tiger Bowl, we'll really dig into it, talk about improvement for Auburn football on offense and defense. We'll also talk about Auburn basketball, an Operation Save the Gonzaga matchup. What's happening in college basketball for the Auburn Tigers as we're in that preseason stage under a month until the start of the regular season in college basketball. we got all that coming up here on Running the Point. Running the Point, Noah Gardner here with you on Radio Alabama Sports and Fox Sports Central Alabama or On Demand with the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We've now got Auburn beat Rider for two, 24-7 sports, Nathan King, joining us on the show today. Nathan, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show.
1: Hey, Noah, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you you giving me a call. I always enjoy doing stuff with you and watching y'all stuff right now because uh it's really really good i think y'all are doing a really good job
0: thank you thank you very much and it's always good to talk to a, a good friend as well about sports uh that's what we love to do and uh so let's let's get into it we've got a lot to unpack here as there is news all across the auburn landscape whether it's Football right now, midway through the season, basketball trying to get into a season, and baseball getting through their fall slate with some of their inter-squad scrimmages. We'll start with football, as the Tiger Bowl is this Saturday with Auburn and LSU squaring off. It kind of feels like this has been the game that has been circled on Auburn's schedule for the past three seasons, and Auburn has lost in gut-wrenching fashion each year. How important is this game, not only for Gus Malzahn, but for the players also?
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. This isn't just, uh, you know, one for Auburn's program right now, which a lot of people think, you know, is not exactly at the place they thought it would be. Um, and so, you know, not only is this big for the trajectory of the rest of the season, but, you know, in talking to some of the players this week, and, and obviously you can guess, they felt like they easily could have won that game last year. In um, talking to Auburn's corner Roger McCreary yesterday, he said, look, in the LSU games that I've been here, um, you know, that he's been a part of, it's just been little mistakes here and there. Um, Gus Malzahn kind of brought up. So, I mean, I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but in 2018, you know, they had those two pass interference, two different pass interference calls on the final drive. That's 33 yards LSU trying to set up the game-winning field goal. Obviously, in 2017, there was that block in the back that a lot of Auburn fans you know, thought there was and wasn't called on the big BJ Chark punt return that ultimately buried Auburn in that game. And then last year, Auburn played Joe Burrow in that LSU offense closer than anybody had off season at Orgeron this, uh, this week on his press conference was just talking about uh, how much respect he has for Kevin Steele and how he's expecting another really good defensive game plan out of Auburn this Saturday. But no, I mean, this is a huge game. This is, uh, you know, I, to me it doesn't really matter that these teams are both unranked for the first time in this series in 21 years. Um, this is huge for what both of these teams want to do in the second half of the season. I really do feel like whoever wins this game is going to go into its final stretch of the season feeling like hey we're a good team you know the winner of this game will probably get ranked and they'll probably think look we can uh, you know we can start competing in the SEC we're a top 20 team in the SEC um and they're going to feel more confident down the stretch so yeah I think it's a massive game on Saturday.
0: The defense has had its fair share of struggles this season it doesn't get any easier this Saturday because as, as much criticism as LSU could take this year for how down they've been this season they're still two and two and their offense scores more than 40 points a game are you seeing any signs of improvement on that side of the ball for Auburn on defense?
1: Yeah, yeah, and something I mean to to note is that LSU is about a yard away from being three and one, which I think you know, we might think a little differently. And then I mean, I'm sure you would agree that if LSU were to play Mississippi State again this weekend, they would probably just wipe the floor with them. That was really kind of an uncharacteristic game for LSU in the season opener. So, 100%. I mean, I think this is a, yeah, I think this is a team that's a lot better than two and two. Um, they've certainly got you know top ten, top fifteen, top twenty talent. Um, in the country, and that you know that that extends to the offensive side of the ball. It's probably not going to be Miles Brennan at quarterback. That's what Ed Orgeron said today on the, the I guess one Wednesday on the SEC coaches teleconference. But T.J. Finley had a heck of a game, I believe. Uh, only a handful of incompletions, two touchdowns, two sixty-five through the air. He looked like he was humming that LSU offense along, like you were talking about. They haven't really taken a huge, huge step back this season when you consider everything that they've lost. I think Terrace Marshall has looked like a more all-around receiver. He's starting to resemble those two guys last year um, that were two of the best in the SEC. So it's going to take a really good effort out of Auburn's defense. If I'm being honest, I think Auburn has had a really good defensive showing the past two weeks. You ask Auburn's defensive coaching staff, and they tell you the South Carolina game is actually their best performance of the season. What happened, though, was they got backed up in their own side of the field by the Bo Nix interception, and then South Carolina only needed a few plays to get in the end zone. But look, in in today's SEC – um, where teams are just scoring at will. The fact that Auburn is the only defense in the SEC that hasn't all more than 30 points in a game this season, um, I think that's pretty big. I mean, holding somebody to like, like Ole Miss to 28 points in electric offense like that, that, I think under 30 points is a win. So you're looking for something like that again. Like you said, LSU's got a good offense this season. You're looking to hold them under 30 points. And, and look, if Auburn keeps playing like it has the last two weeks, I think they can do it.
0: What's the storyline you'll be paying attention to this Saturday?
1: Yeah, so for me, it kind of stays on the defensive side of the ball there. Um, I'm interested to see how this Auburn defensive front continues to develop. Um, I think Big Cat Bryant, you know, the the preseason All-SCC defensive end, I don't think he's played up to expectations. Now he has had a bit of a nagging injury, but I'm not sure if he's 100% um, off of that. But look, he was a guy in the offseason that said, you know, I I, I kind of was like Marlon Davidson heading into Davidson senior year where it was like he – was able to get to the quarterback, get really, really close to him, uh, but he couldn't get his arms around him. he couldn't pull him down. I think we've seen a lot of those same issues here in the beginning of the season. You see Big Cat kind of take some questionable angles and guys are able to get around and he's not able to get his hands on them. I think if he can step up here in the second half of the season, I guess kind of a storyline for them moving forward, I guess for the whole season, not just this game. If he can start to improve some play um, on his end and then they're going to get KJ Britt back, you know, probably four or five weeks or so before the end of the year. Um, and this defense could turn out to be really, really, really good. Um, and then extending on that back to the linebacking core, I think for this LSU game, I, I, I think this is the game where we might need to see some of those young Auburn linebackers start to step up. Because look, Owen Papo played every single snap against Ole Miss. Um, and before that, in the South Carolina game, the Kobe McClain I believe only missed one or two snaps the entire game. And but they're really good right now, but um, in, in my opinion, that's bad news waiting to happen, playing those guys that many plays. And when Papo said, look, the linebackers, the young guys, they're just not ready yet. So I think for this game, it's really got to be all hands on deck for Auburn's defense um, to be able to slow down an LSU offense that looked like we were talking about. Um, they're still pretty good this season.
0: You touched on the offense a little bit. What do they have to do well on Saturday in order for Auburn to get the win? It seems like they're improving a little bit week after week, but what do they have to do in this game where there are probably going to be a nice handful of points scored, just like in the Ole Miss game?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think Ole Miss was, a, was kind of a get-right game for Auburn's offense where you really needed to see them improve in that game and then turn in a good performance like, like they did for the most part. Um, I, in my opinion, Auburn probably left her up on, you know, something like 10 points on the scoreboard, um, just because of when they got across midfield before halftime, they weren't able to score. Um, there were some other possessions where they kind of dropped the ball, but for the most part, they did look a lot better in that game. And that's what you wanted to see against a bad Ole Miss defense. And LSC's defense is certainly not as bad, um, as Ole Miss, and it's much more talented, but it's still a defense that's been a little bit susceptible this season to both. Um, the, you know, both the pass and the run. So Auburn's got to set up tank big beat in this game like it's the one over the past three weeks. And that's especially big, um, because right now, LSU has the best pass rush in the SEC. They're leading the SEC in sacks. Um, you saw what BJ Ojuari did last week, three sacks against South Carolina. That is a really, really confident defensive front for them. The so Bonex absolutely cannot be throwing 35 passes in this game for Auburn to try to win because I don't think Auburn's offensive line would be able to hold up down the stretch if he did.
0: Let's switch gears to some Auburn basketball. ESPN nicks the plans for the Orlando Invitational, potentially taking a hot matchup between Auburn and Gonzaga off the board. What's the latest in that situation for the Tigers? I know this may be a little bit of the outside looking in, but but what are you seeing from that?
1: No, yeah, so everything that everything that we've seen out of John Rothstein, who's the, the great college basketball reporter um, for CBS, it looks like Auburn is going to still be playing in Florida. Um, they're going to be playing in Fort Myers. Instead, it looks like a, it looks like a little four-team event at the beginning, where Auburn will be taking on St. Joseph in the first game, and then they'll play Gonzaga. So um, I've kind of been joking this week about Operation Save Auburn Gonzaga because people were really really excited for that game. I mean, Gonzaga is a wonderful basketball program that I think Auburn fans you know want their team to be playing teams like that year in and year out because that shows how far. Bruce Pearl has taken them. Um, they're doing that later in the year, too, for the SEC Big 12 Challenge. They're going to Baylor. You know, Baylor's going to be a top-five team here in the preseason. So I'm really excited to watch this Auburn team just because I'm not exactly sure we know a lot of what we're going to get. You know, in the past few seasons, we've kind of had an idea in the preseason about what the team is going to look like. Now, to be fair, I think first Pearl's past two teams overachieved what we thought they were going to do. Uh, but we still kind of had an idea of what the identity was going to be, who some of the better players were going to be. This season, the team is so young, and there's uh, and there's only a few guys returning from last year that really have a lot of experience. Um, and So I'm excited to see our shakes out. I think it's a team with a really high ceiling because of how talented, young, and athletic they are. Uh, but they might take their lumps there at the beginning of the season while they're still figuring out how to play together.
0: It's a shame that tournament got nixed because you look at some of the teams in that field – um, Gonzaga and Michigan State and Auburn were obviously the headliners. Xavier also a part of that field. It was a high-profile field of teams. And Auburn just doesn't get to play Gonzaga and Michigan State every year. And so I'm with you when you're talking about Operation Save, Gonzaga, or, or whatever that is. I'm with you on that one because Auburn just doesn't get to play those teams too often. And this year they've got such a tough schedule with a young team in an odd year, which we don't know how it's going to look for college basketball. We've seen how it's translated to football. We haven't seen how that's going to move into basketball. When you're seeing this season, and we're heading into the preseason now, how do you think it plays out for these young Tiger Cubs?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of what the games are actually going to look like, I uh, think we kind of maybe we maybe have a bit of a skeleton of what games will look like inside Auburn Arena. I actually went to Auburn's first Sporting event in the arena since COVID. Um, Auburn volleyball played Florida last week, and I kind of just looked around and kind of absorbed some things that, you know, may carry over to basketball season. Obviously, Um, as one Auburn staffer told me at the game, look, everything is up in the air and and everything could change by the time basketball season comes around. But if you look at some announcements around the SEC, it looks like it's pretty much going to be in line with what Auburn volleyball did, and that's around 15 to 20% capacity. Um, Nobody in the lower bowl. And look, I mean, I think Auburn has been pretty pleased with how the two home games have gone so far. There's been a lot of energy in that stadium. The students are going to bring it no matter what. I mean, I know it's, I know it's the, it's a downer that they're not allowed to just pack the stadium for everybody this season. But I think for all things considered, um, the students have shown up and done a really good job. So hopefully they're able to kind of replicate that same environment. But no, I mean, yeah, you're, you're talking about the schedule this season and this Auburn team. Again, there's a lot of unknowns, but it is an exciting young roster with guys like Sharif Cooper and J.T. Thor and Dylan Cardwell coming in. First world's best recruiting class ever. And then with the commitment of five-star Jabari Smith a few weeks ago, it seems like that's only going to continue into the future. So it'll be a stacked SEC. And Auburn's really going to have to fight and claw to make it into the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, unless they just start breaking down doors and they're way better than we saw. I think it's going to be a tough year to try to make it into the tournament just because of how good the conference is. Um, But I think that's only going to make Auburn better down the stretch. You know, they'll kind of learn this season, and they'll, they'll get better as they go to the point where we might be looking at 2021 as a year where we're like, all right, Auburn might be a, a team that you can look in the preseason and be like they might be in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight or something like that.
0: Nathan, thank you for joining us on the show. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure, Noah. Um, you can go to Twitter, at By Nathan King. Uh You can check out all my stuff there if you just want to follow along with what I'm reporting over the course of the day. But if you want to go check out all of our team's content, um, it's LSU week. You know, there's so much stuff we got going on right now. It's one of the best weeks of the year in terms of an Auburn football game. So we've got it covered front to back at com. So go check that out if you haven't yet. Um, we've got a ton of great stories on it. Uh, it's been a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to Saturday for sure.
0: I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good day, my friend. All right, no, Take care. Thanks for having me. That was Nathan King, Auburn beat writer for 24-7 Sports. We'll be back with more of the Running the Point coming up next here on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports. Up running the point on Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports are on demand on Google Play, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Radio. It's time for game picks, and we'll get to our exposed pick of the week a little bit later on. We'll start it off in the SEC at 11 a.m. on SEC Network. Number five, Georgia at Kentucky. I'm going to take Georgia in this one. It's we're not going to get too complicated this week with some of these top five teams. College football, it's been hard to figure out in 2020, really hard to figure out. I, I Every single week, upsets happen, and it's not always the one that I'm picking. That's why I exposed Pick of the Weeks. been on a little bit of a slide for the past couple weeks, but it's been really hard to figure it out. Kentucky rattles off two straight wins against Mississippi State and a ranked Tennessee team, and they do it in dominant fashion. But then they proceed to fall to Missouri last week, Where their offense looks despicably bad. Despicably, despicably bad for those of us who picked Kentucky last week. Just when you think the Wildcats are building momentum, Kentucky succumbs to the up and down nature of this college football season. One thing about Kentucky that is consistent, though, is that subpar offense. They still can't throw the ball down the field. They're rather one dimensional with the running game that's going to play right into Georgia's hands. They are going to have a blast feasting on the Wildcat offense. Give me Georgia on this one. 10, number 17, Indiana at Rutgers, 2.30 p.m., Big Ten Network. I don't think either of these teams are good. I think it's an overreaction just to just jump off a cliff into the pool of hype and say that these two teams are good. Neither of these offenses surpassed 300 yards last week, but they still found a way to score in the high 30s in order to pull upsets against Penn State and Michigan State. And I think that had more to do with mistakes, mental mistakes, on Penn State and Michigan State side than on major accomplishments by Indiana and Rutgers. With that being said, though, at this moment – It's an overreaction, I think, more of an overreaction to say that Rutgers is a good team here. At least Indiana has shown improvement in the program more recently than Rutgers. Rutgers just showed up and said, hey guys, we're here. And Indiana's at least, they went to a bowl game last year. They've been competing in the Big Ten more recently. They've at least been a bowl-eligible team more recently than Rutgers. Indiana has been more recently a bowl-eligible team than Rutgers has won a Big Ten football game that should tell you a little bit about where these two programs were going into this football game. Penn State, a much more impressive win than Michigan State. I like Indiana in this one because they appear to be a little bit more of a legitimate team at this stage in the game. Now it's time for our Exposed Pick of the Week. We'll roll our cl- our clip from last week. I was a little bit off three weeks in a row. We're going to get it right this week. I'm being snookered into beautiful offensive numbers Typically, I lean defense in these kind of clash of styles, but after what I saw last week, I I think that this is the Alabama-Georgia matchup of the American Athletic Conference, and I'm going to side with SMU. I think they've got too many weapons. Cincinnati on offense, they're struggling on that side of the ball, scoring 24 against Army, 28 against USF. So I'm going to pick SMU to expose ninth-ranked Cincinnati. the Exposed Pick of the Week this week, we're gonna be smashing one of these pumpkins to tell you who I think is gonna get exposed this week. And for the second time this season, we're going to expose the LSU Tigers. Maybe this is not a good sign for Auburn on Saturday, but just for good measure, You exposed. That's right. Auburn. Auburn's gonna win. Auburn's gonna beat LSU. We're gonna smash the pumpkin. Three straight seasons. Auburn has been in the mix to beat the LSU Tigers. All three seasons have been gut-wrenching losses for the orange and blue Tigers. Auburn struggles have came as a surprise to me this season. I really thought Auburn was going to be a lot further along than LSU going into this season. It's well documented on this show that I expected LSU to be a dumpster fire this year. But it just so happens that they might be catching their stride at just the right time to make this game so interesting. This is the exposed pick of the week. For the second straight week this season, or not second straight week, but second time this season, we are exposing the LSU Tigers because I still think that this is just a mirage what happened last week against South Carolina. Auburn appears to still be more talented, more experienced than LSU LSU more than likely going to be starting T.J. Finley in this game and he looked great against South Carolina but once again I wonder about the depth of this quarterback room that is at the top is Miles Brennan I don't know if I trust this guy to week in and week out be able to perform against some of the best teams in the league. Not necessarily saying that Auburn's one of the best teams in the league but I still think that there's a lot of talent across the field in this Auburn football team even if they haven't been living up to expectations nonetheless both of these teams entering this game with an inconsistent resume it's going to make for another Auburn and LSU game, and it just so happens to be on Halloween. If this rivalry needed any more chaos, I mean, seriously... Auburn's had this game circled, though, and they finally get that confidence-building win that puts them over the hump. I think they go on. I think they beat Mississippi State next week. I think they beat Tennessee two weeks from now. Lo and behold, they'll have a four-game winning streak going into the Iron Bowl. All of the dreams will get smashed at that moment, but Auburn at least is going to have a respectable record. They're going to be one of the most... They're going to be the most hyped up, or, or or, better yet, they're probably going to be the worst 6-2 team in college football this year. But they will be 6-2 nonetheless. I'm taking Auburn. They're not favored in this one. That's why they, it's the exposed pick of the week. I'm taking Auburn in this one, 2.30 p.m. CBS. Moving on, Texas at number 6, Oklahoma State, 3 p.m. Fox. And this one was also on the docket for exposed pick of the week, and I'm still taking the upset in this one with Texas. I just thought it was going to be more fun to paint LSU and Auburn pumpkins uh, considering this is an an SEC show. Uh, But I do think Texas is going to end up pulling the upset on Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State's been running for its life from the mediocre cesspool that is the Big 12 Conference. Last week, Cowboys barely squeaked by Iowa State. Now there are only two undefeated teams in Big 12 play. That is Kansas State and Oklahoma State. They will not be so fortunate this week against the Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma State's offense is centered around the explosive Chuba Hubbard. Well, taking a look at this Oklahoma State offense, though, they're still having a hard time breaking 30 points, only averaging 28 and a half per game in the Big 12. That's pretty bad. That is pretty bad that you can't average more than 30 points per game in the Big 12. Almost every team in that league averages more than 30 points a game, it feels like. While he's an effective rusher, the Cowboy offense still hasn't matched his production with an all-around performance on the scoreboard. I expect Sam Ellinger and the Longhorns to outpace Oklahoma State in a close one, probably in the mid-30s. Once the dust settles, Kansas State will be the only team left undefeated in Big 12 play. For now. Mississippi State at Alabama, 6 p.m. ESPN. Let's don't make this complicated. Crimson Tide, they're going to roll. This doesn't have to be too detailed. One of these teams has scored 30 points in the last three weeks. The other has scored 152. We'll let you figure that one out. Good luck, Mississippi State. Number three, Ohio State at number 18, Penn State, 6.30 p.m. ABC. Ohio State looked Like they had a little bit of a slow start against Nebraska, especially on defense. Nebraska was in it early, but at least they're not Penn State- who loses in overtime to Indiana with that touchdown or that two-point conversion, which was a controversial call, but a, but the right call with the way that Indiana was able to sneak it inside that goal line and that, that pylon. But statistically, Penn State's loss to Indiana is not as bad as it seems. When you look at it on paper, the Nittany Lions only gave up 211 yards in the loss. Chalk it up to mental mistakes and an opportunistic Indiana squad that really wanted that one. Don't write off Penn State just yet. This game should be closer than the experts predict, which the line looking at this one's been at about 12.5, plus or minus there. Penn State put up 250 rushing yards last week. Granted, it was against Indiana, but look at it on the other side. Ohio State gave up 210 rushing yards to Nebraska last week. So I, I definitely think Penn State's going to be able to put it on the ground and run the ball against Ohio State. That could be enough to equalize in this game if Penn State avoids the turnovers in the passing game, unlike they were able to do last week, had two picks from Clifford last week against Indiana. If they can afford the turnovers, I don't think this Penn State's team is as bad as losing 36-35 to 35 against Indiana. Maybe suggest. Nonetheless, though, Justin Fields had a near perfect performance, twenty for twenty-one last week, passing two touchdowns. I mean, the Heisman the Heisman run begins for Justin Fields if he can put it together over an eight game season. Ohio State still has too many weapons. I think they win a close one. I do think this one's closer than the experts suggest. People may be overreacting to that Penn State loss, but I do like Ohio State nonetheless. Arkansas at number eight, Texas A and M, six thirty p.m. SCC Network. This is another upset special, and maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself here, but I'm liking the Razorbacks to pull off a top-ten win this go round in the SEC. Failed to do it against Georgia earlier on in the season, but I think they get it done this week against Texas A&M. Would you believe me if I told you Kellen Mond and Felipe Franks have almost identical stat lines, like all the way to completions and attempts? Almost identical. Go look it up. Yards, completions, attempts, touchdowns, interceptions – and would you have expected that when Kellen Mond had the level of hype that he had going into this season and Felipe Franks had largely, been un, had largely been forgotten about? A lot of people are like, oh, wait, I forgot Felipe Franks is at Arkansas. Everybody's expecting Texas A&M to all of a sudden compete for the SEC West crown. Loses to Alabama earlier in the year. falls it up with a win against Florida in week three. Very impressive were the Aggies in that performance against Florida. But this Arkansas team, and still, don't forget about how accident-prone Texas A&M is. When we did our SEC superlative several weeks ago or after the first week of the league, I said Texas AM was the most accident-prone team in the SEC. And what I mean by that is turnovers. I mean, how do you have three to – it was somewhere between three and five fumbles against Vanderbilt – and then there's the games where they turn the ball over a ton of times through the air, through a Mond interception. Always feels like he's good for an interception that's going to cost his team a win. Mond reminds me a lot of Jameis Winston in the NFL. Jameis Winston to the NFL and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is Mond to the Texas A&M Aggies in his existence. He'll win you eight games, but he'll lose you. He'll lose you the other ones, one hundred percent. He'll win you eight, but lose you five. And this feels like the one that Texas A&M is going to lose because of turnovers. Arkansas has produced 13 takeaways, most in the SEC up to this point, across four games. That's over three a game that they're producing takeaways. Now, of course, Ole Miss had a big hand in that. Big thank you to Matt Corral. But Texas A&M, most accident-prone team in the league, meeting the team that helps force the accidents. This is basically a wet floor without a wet floor sign for Texas A&M, and they're going to slip up. Give me Arkansas on this one. Last game here on the docket, Missouri at number 10, Florida, 6.30 p.m., SEC Network alternate. Giving the Gators in this one. Missouri's been impressive. I like that Connor Bazelak kid. He doesn't commit a whole lot of mistakes. He's an efficient passer. But he is still a freshman, and I think he's going to have a hard time keeping up with this Gator offense led by Kyle Trask, who has 14 touchdowns to one interception this year. And under the radar, Heisman candidate, who I don't feel like is getting a lot of love. And guess what? You know why? Because Florida hasn't played a football game in three weeks. It's been 21 days since Florida has played a football game, and the last time that they played, they lost to Texas A&M. How do the Gators respond from being off across all the sports leagues, whether it be the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, when a team, and college football as well, when a team has taken off time because of COVID issues, they have responded in varying ways. Some teams have looked fatigued. Some teams have looked like they just haven't been able to bounce back the right way. Other teams look refreshed. Other teams look like they had extra time to practice. How does Florida look coming off of this. How do they respond? Also, this Florida defense heavily criticized. It could be the one thing standing in their way from a college football playoff appearance and from winning the SEC East over Georgia this year because of how poor that defense has been this year. It's why they lost to Texas A&M. How will the Gator defense handle the upstart Missouri quarterback, Connor Bazelag? He's been able to toss the ball around the yard, and now he's playing one of the worst pass defenses in all of college football. I mean, they're giving up over 300 passing yards per game. It doesn't get much worse for that. I think Bazelag's going to be able to toss the, ball, toss the ball around the yard, but I don't think he's going to do it at quite the clip That Kyle Trask is going to do it at Florida. I'm expecting a shootout in this one, and that's not the place that Florida wants to be at at this point in this season. But I do think the Gators get the win. I think they get back to winning ways. They'll be three and one going into the rest of their schedule with some very high-profile matchups coming up for them to try and win the SEC East. I mean, they still got to play Tennessee. They still have to play Georgia. They still got a lot of big-time matchups left on that schedule for them to try and win the SEC East. But everybody kind of feels like they've forgotten about Florida and everybody switched their attention back on to Georgia. And I understand why. That defense at Georgia is pretty nasty. That does it for another edition of Running the Point. Noah Gardner here with you. I'll be back with you next week, same time, same place. You know where to find us. God bless, everybody.